Hale Varsity Radio, every weekday afternoon from 4 to 6 p.m. On Thursday, show from counterread.com, Brandon Vogel, former Colorado football head coach Gary Barnett, and staff writer for The Athletic, Mitch Sherman, that and more. Hale Varsity Radio is the best sports talk radio show around. Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbal have you covered every weekday, 4 to 6 p.m. with Hale Varsity Radio. W. T. L. It's a big, hairy American winning machine. You ain't first, you're last. W. T. L. All right, nice, huh? Got a talk show here, talk show with my mic. I got everything. W. T. L. He does his workout and performance. Get it to 85% weekend. You're a mute. W. T. L. Brings me to my next point. Don't smoke crack. And welcome to WTL, everybody. I'm your host, Andy Klassen, joined by... Gibran. Ah, the parlay ponder. <laughs> yes, sir. We're back. <laughs> oh, man, you're going to be pounding again. We got to talk UFC. No doubt about it. We got fight night coming up Friday night. Or, yeah, Friday night. Friday night, fight night. Yep. Uh, kind of a couple... Kind of a special card here. Kind of a coming of age, if you will, or a championship type of contest yeah for sure no it's the uh we, we got two of these fights right here that are actually pretty fun to talk about because they're the season finales of the ultimate fighter mm-hmm. that you know the ufc kind of got its start with that's where you know all ESPN. the big names all the big names have come yeah. from there forrest whitaker was from there nate diaz is from there kamaro uzman israel adesanya all got their starts on the ultimate fighter in the ufc so it's fun to watch these guys right. come up through this show and really get a shot to you know be on a main card yeah and it's basically i mean their own farming in-house farming system exactly and it's a show in itself right it's on espn and people can follow along so you can actually follow these guys careers before they even really get started exactly so kind of a couple cool matchups there we also have wes reynolds from z vison for sure out there in vegas took some time uh, away and talked to us a little bit here of course he took care of um, the college football preview. Yeah, I mean that was like 300 pages. That it was thing. crazy like with all Bible. those teams. Yeah, yeah. Uh, awesome. 131 D1 schools yep. <laughs> covered, and he covered a lot of the Big Ten, the Huskers. He's a uh, Indiana alum. He's yeah. a little Hoosier. No, he's a Big Ten guy for yep. sure. That's yep. and that's where his knowledge is on college football. So it was, it was nice to talk to him about that. Yeah. So we'll we'll get we'll get to his interview after we talk a little UFC. Then we'll come back and we'll put our own thoughts. Yeah. On some of the a lot of futures, a lot of props coming out for the Huskers. Yeah. And of course, we're going to dive right into that. You know, we got to. You know, we got to. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. All right. So let's start with some of these fun matchups. We got Brogan Walker versus Juliana, the killer Miller. Yeah. No, this is. This is so fun to talk about because these two chicks have really went at it all year uh, on the Ultimate Fighter, and these these are these are the best two that that came out of the season. Uh, Brogan Walker is is kind of uh, she's been around the block a little bit. She she has more fight experience than yeah. Juliana Miller, but yep. when they're talking about the killer, she is an absolute killer. A lot of people came into this thinking that she was going to be one of the first ones out of this, and she has pretty much submitted her way to. 
the finals here and is has a very surprising uh, ground game that people really didn't expect out of her. Here, here's a stat line for you. A hundred percent of her fights end in submission. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> she's a, she's a killer. Uh, yeah. but like I'm saying here, uh, expect Walker's experience to kind of make a difference in this one. Yeah. If Miller can turn this into, like we said, a grap, a grappling contest, she has the more refined class there. Yeah, but, yeah. uh, however, I think Brogan Walker being around the block a little bitch, uh, a little bit has a, um, you know, a it, little bit of an advantage here. Her record's exactly. eight and two. Miller's only three and one. Also, where I'm looking at an advantage, I go here all the time. Brogy the Bear weighs 140 compared yeah. to Miller at only 125. Yeah, yeah. 15 pound difference. For sure. Um, Walker strength and, you know, willing ability to avoid being taken down by, mm-hmm. by Miller's pr- uh, preferred style. Uh, I really think th- that, uh, Walker's going to walk away with this one, and, and the line on it is actually pretty good right now. You can get down uh, minus 105 right now, so that's, oh, that's, pr- not, that's a very good, good line yeah. to throw in there. So uh, I am all in on uh, Brogan Walker in this one, Andy. Very good, very good. And, of course, uh, not a whole lot of information out over these two fighters because they haven't really started their professional careers yet. No, they, it, they're on the basically a – a glorified sitcom. Exactly. <laughs> you, you know, no, it is. It's, it's, like it's a road, reality show. Yeah, Road Rules meets a UFC. Yeah, keeping smashed. up with the Kardashians with Ultimate Fighting. It's really yeah, yeah. kind of funny because they, you know, try and tug at people's emotions on this show and make people cry. And you know that these guys yeah, yeah. are just, you know, they're, they're wanting to they're fight. it up. Yeah, exactly. They have, <laughs> they have to play it up because it's a TV show. But yeah. I'll... I'll you know, congratulations to Dana White. There's 30 seasons of this show, so yeah. obviously it got picked up by ESPN. Obviously, it works. <laughs> obviously, it yeah. works. So, no, I, I I like it a lot, and uh, this live finale should be a good one. To get into the other fight that I'm really, really um, you know anxious to see is you got Muhammad Usman, younger mm-hmm. brother of Kamaru Usman, the UFC champion that has yeah, just yeah. one fight after fight after fight. His uh-huh. little brother's getting his shot here, and and these are heavyweights against Zach. Pauga, which is you know, uh, Ripper. A, yeah, he is uh, coming into it a very, a very. He's just an athlete, Andy. He played Colorado State football okay. for college. He got picked up by the Texans, kind of got injured a little bit. So this guy is just an athlete, and it just picked this up. They're not both. The both of them aren't Boy. very defined fighters. No, there's not much out on them at no, all. No, there's not. But if you watch the season, Zach Pauga definitely has the most. You know, he's just got that look of a UFC fighter. More tools in the box. Yes. And the way that I've kind of seen Usman, he kind of just relies on his strength a lot. And I think he will get gassed. He does outweigh him. Yeah, he does. 240 to 225. Yeah. The way that I'm looking at this, Andy, this fight will mostly likely be finished before the 15 minutes is up. I don't think Usman has the cardio to go 15 minutes and cause any real damage to Pauga. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I really just believe Zach is the quicker fighter. Um, More I'm, athletic. You it, like that. You like I, the I, athlete. I, I do. I do. I see Usman getting caught and then being overwhelmed with the strikes, showing, uh, showing uh-huh. defeat in his body language before the fight has even stopped. Uh there's a lot of pressure on the younger brother of this champion, and I think yeah. Palga seems hungry and sharp enough to really 
outclass the guy and really just take it away from him. Um, hey, he's six and zero in his, you know, exactly. And and just the way that odds makers are making this right now is Pauga is at a minus two sixty to oh, win this fight. So yeah. I think the odds makers are kind of right on the nose with this one. So yeah. I might not straight bet this one, but it's definitely going to be part of my parlay that I take on the uh, end of this segment here. Very good. We'll save that. We'll bottle that one up and save it for a little later here. Mohammed the Motor Usman versus Zach the Ripper Pauga. Yes, sir. All right, let's move on to the main event. Yeah, we got Thiago Santos. Yep, versus uh, Jamal Hill. Uh, and this is one of those that we've always talked about, Andy. There's a guy on the rise and there's a guy on the decline. Yep. Santos is definitely on the decline. Uh, he, he just never really recovered from the split decision loss in his epic clash against John Jones in UFC 239 mm-hmm. all those years ago, losing three of the four next fights, yeah. uh, but he's he's still pegged as the number six light heavyweight in the world. He is. Uh, yep. But on the other side of that coin, Andy, Jamal Hill's coming off back-to-back first-round KOs yeah. against Johnny Walker and Jimmy Crute that have vaulted him all the way up to number 10 in the rankings. Mm-hmm. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I just don't see this going well for Santos. Santos. He, he's, he's obviously going down. He's obviously going to be desperate for a win to maintain that grasp on that spot. But I, I just don't think he's an actual contender uh. in this weight class anymore. I feel sorry for him because I love the sledgehammer. He's, I've been a fan for years on him. Yep. But this Hill kid is coming in, and he's coming in. He has wasted no time establishing himself as a legitimate UFC lightweight contender. And so uh, Sweet Dreams, I think, is taking yeah. this one out. Yep. And the way that the line looks now on my book, he's at a minus three twenty-five to take this. So the odds makers are Ooh, on my side with yeah. the Jamal Hill pick. I mean, so, he's called Sweet Dreams because he is knocking fools out. Exactly. And look at his average fight time: less than six minutes. He's averaging over one and a half uh, knockouts for per, sure. Uh, Fifteen minutes—that's three rounds. Uh, so yeah, everything is kind of leaning towards, including the line yeah. heavy favorite Jamal Hill for sure. And if you guys are still on the uh, Thiago Santos, uh, you know, train there, there is there is uh, you know that plus two thirty bet does have value to it, but yeah. I just don't see uh, him pulling it out. Um, like I said though, uh, with that with that line being such a you know crazy line uh, in favor of Jamal Hill, that minus three twenty five, I don't like. Straight betting that? No, there's I, no value. I, I, I like to take a little step back here, Andy. So this is my <laughs> money play for the week on no. UFC. I am doing a three-team parlay. I am going Jamal Hill at minus three twenty-five. I'm going Zach Pauga at minus two sixty, and no. then ending it with Brogan Walker at a minus one hundred five. I'm going to throw fifty dollars on this parlay to go. get one hundred and twenty-six dollars back. I think it's the best value. Um, I, I think all three of these are going to hit. So uh, $50, you know, just a light bet to, you know, receive 126 and, you know, kind of throw on those Husker bets that we're going to come on. No doubt about it. The Parlay <laughs> Pounder is going to give you that parlay. No doubt about all it. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. We're going to come right back with Wes Reynolds of VEASAN. He's going to talk a little bit of college football. We're going to really dive in on the Huskers, yes. what's been happening the last couple of years, some of those zany stat lines, and <laughs> have him make heads or tails of it. Exactly. All right, folks, thanks for listening to WTL. Don't go anywhere. Like to th- uh, welcome to the show Wes Reynolds of Beeson, one of the main contributors to the 2022 College Football Betting Guide. 
Wes, thanks for being on the show. Good to be with you, Andy. Thanks for having me. I got to tell you, you guys did a bang-up job once again with that betting preview, covering 131 teams, uh, 300 pages of handicapping information. That's good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It takes, a, it takes a village, I guess, to put together a college football betting guy, but we managed to do so. Uh, so getting right into the Huskers here, we're in big red country. Uh, the overall sentiment was that the Huskers were so close last year, losing – eight of nine games by one score and even the other lost to Ohio State 26-17 so it wasn't a blowout by any means uh do you agree with that assessment that this could be a, a breakout year for the Big Red I think they certainly should be a better team they were better as you just mentioned that their record indicated last year they just you know made mistakes at crucial times and uh, a lot of that was on Adrian Martinez who is now of course with Chris Kleeman at Kansas State so uh, Casey Thompson coming in from Texas he does have starting experience but I think just the addition of Mark Whipple as the offensive coordinator is going to really help this team and obviously Mark Whipple can come in and say hey I have a track record I made Kenny Pickett a Heisman candidate I made him a first round draft pick with the Pittsburgh Steelers. We had one of the best offenses in the country. So I'm going to be interested to see because I think Nebraska, kind of the behind the scenes stuff has been very interesting with this program. Uh, the AD, Trev Alberts, of course, part of the glory years under Tom Osborne as the AD. You know, he's given Scott Frost and saying he's my guy, but with conditions, you know, the decrease in pay and, you know, some concessions that Scott Frost had to make. We know that Trev does not want to let go of Scott Frost, even though the pressure is on and the seat is at least at the bare minimum warm. We know that Trev, I think, wants to make this work because it is kind of a family atmosphere. And you see all that with like North Carolina basketball. They've always kept it within the family. I think Nebraska football really wants to get back to doing that, you know, keeping it within what Tom Osborne and everybody before him built with this program. But the interesting thing, I think, Andy, with this offense is how much control is Scott Frost going to give to Mark Whipple? Because Mark Whipple is going to want a lot of control of this offense, and he's not going to be a guy that's you know going to be a meek personality. He's going to be pretty headstrong. So I yeah. want to see if Scott Frost, who's an offensive guy in his own right and had his own success at Oregon and at UCF, if he's going to say, "Okay, coach, you run the offense. You know, we'll collaborate, yeah. but you are the final veto power here." So I'm interested to see if that's going to materialize because that's the one thing on offense that I think can be concerning going forward. Even though I like Casey Thompson at quarterback, I think Nebraska is going to be able to run the ball, but they're going to throw the lot of the ball a lot more this year too, because you got to think that Whipple is going to want to be more up-tempo with the offense. Yeah. And you took me right to where I wanted to go. Let's talk uh, transfer portal. Nebraska has a top 10, top five, sub by some accounts uh, transfer portal class headlined by Casey Thompson who, oh, by the way, ended up leading the Big 12 in 10 games with 24 touchdown passes last year. On the defensive side, you got TCU transfer O'Shawn Mathis, who's bringing in his breakout season from last year, nine sacks, 14 tackles for loss, and it fills a big need for the Big Red on the defensive side. But starting with Casey Thompson and the weapons he has that came through the portal, do you think that's going to lead to a few more wins, especially behind uh, Mark Whipple like you're talking about? I would think so, Andy. And and look, they get an opportunity to have at least a very good start. I know they got the game in Dublin with Northwestern. And, you know, because it's a road game for both teams, it could be a coin flip. I would still lean to the Huskers in that one. You get North Dakota and Georgia Southern at home in Lincoln. So you should be 3-0 and before the Sooners come into town on September 17th. And look, uh, 
They were right there with the Sooners. You mentioned how many close games. They were right there with Oklahoma last year. New coach, we, I mean, Oklahoma is going to be a relatively substantial favorite, even in Lincoln, but new coach, a little bit of a new system. Dylan Gabriel, I think he's going to be an outstanding quarterback for that program, but you never know. Early in the season sometimes is when you can get these uh, at least uh, projected to be elite teams. So you get essentially four home games after Dublin. You get my alma mater, Indiana, who I think Nebraska would be a favorite over as well. Indiana took a big nosedive last year, went down to two and 10 with all the injuries they had. But yeah, I absolutely think that they should get more wins. And one of the things I want to see is if the passing offense is going to be more explosive. They rated 26th actually in explosiveness last year, averaging uh, 0.161 expected yards above average per play. But they only had 57 total plays of 20 or more yards, and that was 86 out of like 130 Division One teams in FBS. So Mark Whipple, I think, is going to raise that number just on the nature of the play calling and going a little bit more tempo on offense because that's what everybody does now in college football. That's the name of the game. Run as many plays as you can as fast as you can, and I think Nebraska is going to follow suit there. So there's an opportunity to get off to a good start. Let's say they even lose to Oklahoma and they're 4-1 and one going into Rutgers. I just think that the schedule is a little bit easier this year simply because you drop Ohio State and Michigan State and you add Indiana and Rutgers at the bottom of the Big Ten East. So just on the nature of the schedule, you got to think that the Huskers are going to be better this year. Yeah, and you already mentioned the Oklahoma Sooners coming to town. A lot of folks are circling that game as maybe an upset alert to maybe get some money on taking the dog that would be Nebraska. And the metrics kind of line up for that. New coaching staff at Oklahoma. It'll be week three, but week four for Nebraska since they played in week zero over in Dublin, Iowa. What do you make of that being a potential upset? I think it could be. I think certainly Oklahoma is definitely going to want to be on alert. I would expect uh, Oklahoma to be, you know, a little bit into double-digit favorites, maybe like a 10-point favorite. But you've also got to look at the schedule. And Oklahoma gets two easy games at home, relatively speaking. Even though UTEP and Kent State are not bad within their conference, they're going to be substantial underdogs, obviously, in Norman. Then you go to Nebraska, and then you have Kansas State. And Kansas State's going to add Oklahoma's number, even though Oklahoma got the win last year, 37-31 in Manhattan. Kansas State and Chris Kleeman have kind of had those guys' numbers. So this is, you know, it's like that sandwich game. you got to go to Nebraska. These kids, even though they weren't born yet, one of the greatest rivalries all time in college football, Oklahoma and Nebraska. Growing up as a kid in the 80s, I remember Barry Switzer against Tom Osborne, and both these teams ran the triple option on offense. So, you know, it was just a totally different bygone era of college football, but still a tricky scheduling spot. And I think Nebraska can get them. Uh, but even though Oklahoma is still the most talented team in the Big 12, uh, the a lot of new stuff defensively. We'll see what the offense is. You always kind of assume that the offense is going to be very good, even though you now have a new coordinator, Jeff Levy, coming in from Ole Miss, really pretty much taking control of the offense. And we already kind of talked about some of the zaniness that Nebraska displayed last year, and it really, I felt, affected some betting lines, the ATS, all that type of stuff. Uh, just for an example, you know, last year heading into Iowa, they were 3-8, and 1-7 in the Big Ten, yet they had a plus 70-point differential. Nebraska was outscoring their opponents 314-244 to 244 at the time uh, heading into that game and, you know, was a plus 7 uh, differential in the Big Ten alone and then ended up losing to Iowa by one score, by seven, so it ended up being 0-0. However, they only had three wins to show for that season. Does that affect like the betting lines or how you guys, the cappers, uh, assess Nebraska or is that last year and that's in the past? 
No, I think it, it's a little bit of both, I think, because I th it, it does give at least a little bit of potential value because one of the things, especially new betters getting into the market and, and because this is getting legal in more and more states on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, you're getting new betters into the market. So betters are kind of prone, Andy, I think, to bet what they see last. And yeah. what they saw last with Nebraska, oh, they're three and nine team. This this program, you know, doesn't have it anymore. It's not it's not the glory years. So you know, they kind of maybe look at them as they're a down program and don't understand that there could be some upward trajectory. Even though when you look at the starters, only four on offense, five on defense. That oh, they don't bring a lot back. But the transfer portal is a new reality now. One of the things about the transfer portal it's very much a short-term fix. You don't want to necessarily over-rely on it. Uh, even though Mel Tucker certainly is doing that at Michigan State and it's working out well, uh, had double-digit wins last year, but you don't want to necessarily do that long-term. That's good for a one-year. It's like, okay, we're short in the secondary. We got to go hit the portal. But you don't want to get too much into that because you still want to recruit enough out of the high schools and the prep schools to be able to develop players. And I think Nebraska currently is in that role a little bit because this is not running the triple option. And I know you still have people in and around the state and in and around Lincoln that probably like, eh, I wish we still ran the triple option. It's very much like my alma mater with Indiana basketball. <laughs> you still have people saying, yeah, I wish we ran the motion offense like we did under Bob Knight and, and we're strictly a man-to-man -man defense team. No zone, no trapping, no pressing. It's like, okay, it's not the 1980s anymore, guys. We got to move right. forward. We got to upgrade the offense. Uh, we're not a service academy, so we're not going to run the triple option. So that's been, I think, a culture shock to the fans uh, and really the observers of the program. But I'm a little bit higher on Nebraska now, seven and a half. I think that that's probably about right. I think the odds makers put out a good number because they recognize maybe more so than the general casual betters that this schedule is is relatively easy except when you get into the final three weeks and you got to go to Michigan then you got Wisconsin coming in and then you got to go to Iowa that's a tough stretch but everything before that is very much manageable yeah and you kind of were touching on some trends or that's one of the things that kind of jumped out at me in this preview and that was Nebraska being six and one uh ATS as a road underdog I mean just Totally going against the grain. You you'd never want to go with a road guy that's under that's having a tough season. But Nebraska, even last year, was able to pull that off. Yeah, absolutely. And they'll have a you know at least maybe one opportunity this year, depending on how Purdue starts out. I could see Nebraska as a small underdog at Purdue. Nothing substantial. Nothing more than three points, depending on how the Boilermakers start. But. We know good offensive team there in West Lafayette, but that's a winnable game. Obviously, the Rutgers game the week before, they're probably going to be small favorites at the bare minimum. So if you go two and two on those road games, because they're going to be underdogs at Michigan, they're going to be underdogs in Iowa for uh, what is the title of it now? The high V game. Uh, yeah. you know, it is rivalry <laughs> in Nebraska and Iowa, but uh yeah, they're going to be underdogs at, at both of those places, but maybe not substantial based on how they start. Because I could see this team starting out, you know, seven and two before they go into those final three games or potentially eight and one if they could steal one of those road games, maybe steal one at Purdue or pull an upset perhaps over Oklahoma. But they should beat Illinois at home. They should beat Minnesota at home. But that's kind of been the story with Nebraska. Yeah. These teams that they should beat at home they end up having a lame performance, uh, the Northwestern game a couple of years ago. So 
you know, you they, they got to hold serve at home is what they have to do and see if they can pull an upset on the road. That's why I think seven and a half is about right. If you made me bet it, I would lean a little bit to the over just because I think people are sleeping on this Nebraska team. And the West is clearly way more wide open in the Big Ten right. than the Big Ten East where it's like, okay, how many games are Ohio State going to win and how much are they going to win by is basically it. But in the West, you've got four or five teams that can make cases for winning this division. Iowa and Wisconsin clearly – Purdue, Minnesota, Nebraska. I would put them all right there. There's not much separation between them. Well, let's jump across the river here and let's talk about the Iowa Hawkeyes. You also have them sitting at that seven and a half and the majority of your contributors kind of leaning towards that over. Is that where you're at as well? Yeah, I am. And, and I know the quarterback play has been an inconsistent. Spetzer Petras lost his job last year. Alex Padilla came in for a couple starts, then back to Petras. But we know with Iowa – you know, ever since Nathan Stanley has been gone, and even a little bit before that, the quarterback play is just kind of what it is. It's not something that really just reaches out and grabs you. It's not something that dazzles you. But Iowa is always a team that can run the football, and they always have one of the best offensive lines in the country. If you want to go play offensive line there, you could count the programs on one hand that you would go play at before Iowa because Kirk Ferentz and, and those guys know how to get you to the professional level. So there's Iowa guys all over the NFL in terms of offensive lines. So you got to think they're going to run the ball. They're going to be solid defensively, fundamentally. They, I think they led the country or one of the top two last year in interceptions and in takeaways. So that's a team that can take away the football. Maybe that's going to regress a little bit. But Iowa, Andy, is just going to be what they are. They're always calling for, you know, innovations within the offense. And they're always calling for uh, uh, Brian Francis' head and, and these guys. <laughs> and like, okay, be a little bit more creative. Be a little bit more multiple. You know, throw the ball down the field a little bit more. But I don't think Kirk Ferentz, having spent almost 25 years in Iowa City, is going to change his identity. As we get older, we get a little bit more set in our ways. So he's going to be stubborn and be like, you know what? I know what the hell I'm doing here. Yeah. You know, I, I've done I've had a pretty good run here in Iowa for about a quarter century. So I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. Uh, they're going to run their base stuff. The schedule is manageable early for the Hawkeyes, too. So I have to go to state, Iowa State, of course, the Cyhawk game and then uh Nevada Reno coming in and then at Rutgers so you could see Iowa starting four now with Michigan kind of like what they did last year where Penn State was undefeated and then uh Sean Clifford the quarterback gets hurt and then Iowa goes ahead and wins that game in Iowa City in a battle with top five teams so I would lean Iowa to the over and if you made me say who's going to win the West I would still say the Hawkeyes that it goes through Iowa City yeah and they had a strong defense end up being ranked nationally 13th overall defense and a lot of folks haven't even getting better this year so that's a, a scary defensive front there for the Hawkeyes skipping over to the east side Ohio State everybody's talking about them uh over under set at 10 and a half you guys are kind of leaning towards that over I mean they're also a huge favorite at minus 210 to win the big 10 overall Stroud's a Heisman hopeful like he's at the top of the list what isn't there to like about the Buckeyes? You know, and when you look at it, Andy, and we were talking about the win total being, uh, you know, minus 240. Look, I don't lay that high of VIG on a win total. But that being said, I'm not going to dissuade you necessarily and say, because I don't see two losses on that schedule. So that's mm -hmm. what you look at with Ohio State. I would much rather them to win the conference. Uh, 
offensively, they're going to be absolutely terrific uh, with uh, C.J. Stroud back, kind of the co-favorite, depending on the market you look at with Bryce Young, the quarterback of Alabama. They've arguably got the best receiver in the history of the program, Jackson Smith and Jeeba, and that's pretty high praise when you look at Ohio State because this is a program that's had Chris Carter and Joey Galloway and David Boston. They just had two guys drafted in the top 11 for the NFL draft, and only Ohio State could say, yeah, we're better at receiver without those guys because uh, you also have uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., whose uh, daddy was pretty good, had a nice career with the Indianapolis Colts, a Hall of Famer. So they're going to be able to throw the ball all over the place. Travion Henderson is a dynamic running back. And then they have five-star guys like Mayan Williams behind him. So they like to give equal carries, Ryan Day and Kevin Wilson. So they're going to have a nice one-two punch. But it's all going to come down to the defense. Can Jim Knowles really make a difference? And we know that he did in Stillwater with Oklahoma State. They were one of the top 10 defenses in the country. So Ohio State has the talent defensively. They just didn't have the discipline because you watch those guys and how athletic and how good they are. You'd see them take bad angles. You'd see them not break down. Uh, just bad fundamental play. Just a lot of mental mistakes as well defensively. So I think if Jim Knowles can at least clean that up, the talent is over there. They're absolutely loaded, especially in terms of the front seven. The secondary's got a couple starters back as well. So you just look at how they're recruiting, Andy. They don't rebuild, they reload. They're getting five stars all over the place. And an embarrassment of riches. So, uh, you know, my, myself at Indiana, it's like if we get a couple four-star kids, we're building a statue for the coach because we're always getting those three-star kids that we say, okay, run through a brick wall, and then they have to go ahead and do it for you. You just have so much talent on both sides of the ball. Ohio State's going to start out 5-0. and They're going to be favorite in those home games. Then they got to go to Michigan State. You know, could be a little bit of a tricky spot up there at Spartan Stadium. You also got to go to Happy Valley, but they're still going to be double-digit favorites in every single game. And let's take a second just to step outside the Big Ten. I noticed in your guys' preview, Kansas State's in there at six and a half as they're over-under. You guys like them to go over if, big if, quarterback play <laughs> can uh, help itself from turning the ball over. Obviously, Adrian Martinez was a year-to-year -year starter for Nebraska a long time. Uh, we love the guy. Um, it was kind of bittersweet to see him move on. Do you think Mr. Martinez can get it done for the Wildcats and they can improve to a seven-win season? I do like their win total over. Uh, I like what Chris Gleeman has done. I think he's a very unheralded coach. We know what he did up at North Dakota State, winning these FCS championships and continuing them being the powerhouse there in the lower division. But I like Martinez with this offense. They're going to run a little bit of zone read, take advantage of his running ability. He's still going to have to make plays and throw the football, and he's got two of his three starting receivers back. But having Deuce Vaughn back there, I think is just a, just a different dynamic because Nebraska, while they were able to run the ball, they didn't have that one, you know, dog in the backfield, shall we say, that could, you know, just bust one whenever. And Deuce Vaughn has that capability. So I think that they're going to be a threat there offensively. I like what they have defensively. They're going to be very solid. They're going to force turnovers. Just looking at their schedule, they have three games at home in Manhattan to start the season. They have South Dakota, Missouri, you know, SEC team. So that's a little yeah. bit more of a coin flip with still leading to Kansas State and then Tulane coming in before they got to go to Oklahoma. But Kansas State has been able to pull upsets on the road in recent years. And, you know, they got Texas Tech last year. Uh, they almost got uh, Texas last year. So they always win one of those games that you don't project that they're going to win. Maybe it's at Oklahoma. Maybe it's at Baylor this year. So, yeah, I think that they're going to go over six and a half. They're the dark horse in the conference. I still don't think that they have enough to overcome Oklahoma or to overcome Texas. But 
they're a top three to four team, I think, in the Big 12, and that's going to be good enough for six and a half wins for Martinez and company. Okay, so we talked a lot in Nebraska, Iowa, Ohio State, and the Big 10. Are there any value plays going into this season that you're kind of eyeballing that maybe others aren't maybe looking at? Yeah, uh, just kind of around the around the conferences, Andy, or specifically within the Big Ten. Big Ten. Yeah, uh, looking at the Big Ten, uh, I kind of think that Maryland maybe could get over six this year, uh, and six I think is the right number. But you're just mm-hmm. making okay, is this offense going to be dynamic enough to upset somebody? I really like Talia Tagovailoa. I think we all remember that matchup against Iowa where he had the five interceptions and it was just a disaster. Well, he didn't turn it over, Harley. I think he had three interceptions over the last seven games. So that was kind of just an aberration. And they lost Dante Demas in that game for the season due to injury. If you look at the receivers, maybe Ohio State would be number one. I think they would certainly be number one. But Maryland, in terms of a one-two punch at receiver, is probably second or third in the conference with Rakeem Jarrett and Dante Demas. These were both five-star guys out of high school. So, you know, they'll be able to score points. Is the defense going to be good enough? And uh, that's the thing with Mike Loxley. He's always been a terrific recruiter, but maybe some of the game management sometimes can be a little bit in question. So, you know, he is fearless, though, and they'll go play people and they'll be aggressive on offense. They're not going to be, okay, you know, we're going to hem haul over decision, you know, fourth and two, fourth and three. We're going to keep the offense offense on the field so he never he never blinks in that and I at least respect that about him they got three starters back on the offensive line actually they got four starters back on the offensive line so they got to see if they can run the ball a little bit they're going to have a new running back there because Field Davis has now graduated but offensively they're going to be dynamic now don't trip up in the non-conference you got Buffalo at Charlotte and SMU SMU that's going to be a really high scoring game I'd be interested to see what the total is maybe take the over there because Rhett Lashley comes there at SMU and they were one of the more up-tempo offenses in the country at Miami but I could see Maryland getting the seven they finally got to a bowl game last year and they absolutely crushed Virginia Tech in that bowl game 54 to 10 in the pinstripe bowl uh, up there at Yankee Stadium so I think good momentum for this program of the what we call the bottom three in the East. And as a a alma mater, my alma mater is one of the bottom three every year in the East, seemingly at Indiana, Maryland, Indiana and Rutgers. Who's the team that maybe could get into that level and at least get right to the middle or get to the bottom of that top four in the East? And I think it's Maryland. Hey, I love it. I got a lot of family living out there in Maryland. So go Terps. Beer the turtle, as we say, right? <laughs> there we go. All right, Wes, a lot of good stuff there. If folks want to get on board and check out the Beeson's 2022 College Football Betting Guide, where do they got to go? And I believe your Twitter handle is Wes Reynolds one Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. At Wes Reynolds and the number one. You can also go to Beeson.com, check out our programming, all the different offers we have. If you just want to get the betting guide or if you want to be a subscriber throughout the season, we got some specials going on here right before the football season. So hit us up at Beeson.com. Wes, I can't thank you enough. Thank you for your time. Andy, you bet, man. Thank you. WTL, everybody. I'm your host, Andy Klassen, joined by... Gibran. Hey, Gibran. What'd you think <laughs> of old uh, Wes Reynolds there from Visa? You know what? Uh, I'm kind of lining up with him a little <laughs> bit here. Uh, that guy <laughs> was... persuasive. He was talking in my style of talking. I really I really liked him. He was 
pretty high on our Huskers. Not like overly crazy, obviously. Yeah. You could tell that he wasn't a Husker fan, but mm-hmm. he has that optimism that we can make that step yeah. in which, you know, everybody drinking the Kool-Aid here in the Big yeah. Red State has, you know, done for years. So I, I really like to see an outsider's perspective of that right. and know that, you know, we're just not you know, full of it, thinking that we could make that next step. I thought it was very interesting before we started recording there. He goes, man, there's so many parallels between Indiana basketball. You know, he's an alum right. yeah, yeah. and Nebraska football. Right. He goes, man, it, football is better when Nebraska's good. Yes. Like, it would really help the Big Ten. It would have helped the Big 12 right. back in the day. No doubt. Uh, and it would help the Big Ten right now if Indiana <laughs> basketball was exactly. at that point. So, yeah, if they were that, you know, top-notch player like they usually were so right so i found that pretty interesting and of course i agree with them yeah now what do you think of this line for nebraska the over-unders at seven and a half yeah west was kind of leaning he goes man i like the over and i'm like oh here we go again yeah just just giving everyone the kool-aid that they're (laughs) looking for here no where are you at yes i really like that seven and a half i i do believe it's fair i do believe that's (laughs) where the line should be um but i'm looking Uh, at our schedule right now andy and I really like that seven and a half at that minus one fifteen line too. I really like the value in it um, going over. I mean, I'm just sitting here. You know, Northwestern we're beating North Dakota. We're beating uh, Georgia Southern. We're beating uh, Indiana. We're beating Rutgers. We're beating Illinois. We're beating. We could we could literally stack up these seven and a half wins before we hit the hard part of our schedule with Michigan, Wisconsin, yeah. and Iowa right at the end of the year. So. My plan is to have those seven and a half wins in before those last three games of the year. The only way I can agree with you on that is if we win in Ireland, if we win that yeah. Northwestern game. Until I see that, I am not touching this because uh, that could go way wrong. Well, and then it's just back to the back, back to, to the it. drawing board. I mean, and and also the, none of those are guaranteed wins. I mean, Illinois don't haven't they won the last two years against <laughs> Nebraska? Yeah, they uh, beat Purdue, us. Purdue, yep. Minnesota. Like I, I'm not. <laughs> I was on a seven-year winning streak. Yeah, yeah. You understand how difficult that is for a, a Husker fan? Like, you can't even. Oh, I do. You can't, you can't even talk smack to Iowa. <laughs> no, guys. I, that you sucks. Know, that gotta, sucks. You got to do the old Pittsburgh Steelers five rings. Yeah, five, five rings. rings. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do have oh, them, man. Uh, yeah, at least we do have it there. So that's seven and a half. I w- I found it interesting that Wes Reynolds. Like the over, even though his fellow riders, he got outvoted to yeah. where in their preview guide they're saying take the under. Yeah. So overall, the Vsin and their their team that put together this college football preview for 2022, which is immaculate, by the way, over 300 pages uh, covering all 131 yeah. teams. Yeah. Um, they like the under, and if I had to bet this, yeah, you know, I would take the under as well. No way. Oh, give me a break. That's no that's, way. That's doubling their win total. <laughs> oh yeah, and more. Yeah, it, it, you have to win eight games. It's at seven. We should have won eight last year. Oh, we we're geez, in every game. Give I'll give you one lock here, Andy. One lock oh, of the season. Okay, here we go. You're scared about the game. I'm not scared about it at all. We're going to Ireland, and not only are we beating Northwestern. Mm-hmm. This prop is out there right now, or this this line has already been out in most Nebraska books just because they know that we want to get in on our Huskers early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are at a minus 12 favorite, and we're hitting that. We're, we're beating by a minimum of two touchdowns, probably three and a half. Um, <laughs> yeah, this minus twelve we line, go. we're blowing these guys out of the water. We beat them by like thirty-five last year. Hey, I, I was think at it's, that game. I Thank think, you. Yes. Yep. And uh, no, we're gonna do it again, and we're gonna we're gonna start the season on a right note. Something that we haven't done in prior years, and it's gonna mm-hmm. it's gonna get us on a roll. That's a lot of faith based uh, material there. There it is. And earlier lines even had this at twelve and a half. And yeah. 
I just got to say, Jabron, you are one ignorant schmuck. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I mean, this this has to be a place here. Where just drinking I, the Kool-Aid a little bit? Oh, uh, man. I, and there's so many X factors that yeah. go into this. First game of the season, going overseas. Yeah. It's uh, still kind of weird with the scheduling and all that stuff. It is. Uh, just there's too many things. There's too much uncertainty for me to uh, really look at that and feel good about a two-score or better favorite like yeah no i'm not going there <laughs> and just like the illinois game right yeah where everyone said we're, we're gonna have a good year unless <laughs> unless, unless we, lose. we lose to illinois yeah no and we did and we okay, did and we obliged no, you're, you're you right know? so I, i'm a see it to believe it yeah that's nope, where I, i'm at right i got now you this. i'm just singing with this new high-powered offense that we got with whipple coming in with casey thompson <laughs> throwing bombs uh with these you know these transfers and uh-huh, all this kind of stuff uh-huh. i think we finally have the coaching Places, you know, where we need them, and we got the players that we need to, you know, really go after it. I'll tell you another one that you think— We got the pieces. We got the pieces. We got the pieces. And another one that you're going to even be more mad at me, Andy, that I'm going to throw out right now is there's lines on every game, and one that I am circling right now, Mm -hmm. right now, Oklahoma coming into Lincoln, Nebraska. We're getting plus six points in this game, and I am hammering it today. We are going to win this game outright. It is. It is a rivalry game, and we are taking this one. We should have won in Oklahoma last year. They have lost so many people to USC this this offseason, and they're going to come in. Uh, New coaching staff. Yep. Yep. And they're going to, and I think they're going to hold their head, you know, hold their head high and think that they should win this game pretty easily. I think they're going to come in, you know, thinking that we're the pud that we have been for the last five years. I think we are going to win this game outright. I'm taking the six points and putting those in my back pocket. I think we win by a field goal or a touchdown, Andy. Well, you know, I brought that one up to Wes Reynolds. Yeah. You know, because there is a lot of money being shifted towards that game right now. As For sure. A lot of upset alert, you know, chatter out there. No doubt. Uh, and I think there's some value to be had in that as well because it's a, a completely different team than last year. No doubt. Uh, on both sides. And there's some huge ifs on the Nebraska side. Um, and the big one being, will Casey Thompson just – not churn the ball over. Right. That's really all there is to yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, if the offense can just kind of do what they did last year, yeah. maybe be a little more prolific, push the ball down the field, not as predictable. Yeah. But along with that, you now we're talking, oh, my God, are they opening the can of worms for more turnovers to happen? Yeah. I thought the way the offense was last year, that RPO stuff, where you had a running back, quarterback, touching the ball at the same time, you know, every other play, yeah. that opened the door for a lot of turnovers, and we saw that transpire. It did, it did. So maybe, especially late in games. Yeah, so maybe this year with a more pro style, uh, more traditional throwing the ball down the field, forcing corners and safeties to cover the pass, yep. that might also placate well for some running backs to get some room. Um, so I, I don't. I don't hate you for this one. Yeah. Um, but I don't have to bet that till we get a little closer either. Uh, uh, agreed, you agreed. Know? The the whole thing that I'm out Looking at this, Andy, is that you know this isn't this isn't just a Nebraska line. This is nationwide that they're oh I know that they're giving yeah. us plus six. So that really really resonates with me that people really think that we are a real deal college football team this year. Only being a six point dog to you know probably the best team in the Big Twelve uh, coming into the season, and they really think that we're going to hold our own against them. And with my Nebraska fandom behind that, it's really uh-huh. pushing me towards this plus six. Especially, you're saying that we have a lot of uh, you know open ended questions with Nebraska. They have just as they many do. down in Oklahoma. Uh, but their talent, don't get it twisted. Yeah, no, they, I'm not. They got the four and five stars 
uh, enough of them that stayed home, okay? Yep. Or they brought in, and Nebraska's just not there right now. I do have a, a little trend here yeah. uh, that I want to throw at you that might bode well for your bet with Northwestern. Just to yeah. backtrack a little bit. Nebraska is 18-1 and one ATS, last 10 games where they traveled over 1,000 miles or more. Boom. They're going to be traveling a lot more than a lot more than that. to get the Ireland, eh? Yep. So, hey, we'll see what happens there. Um, I told you it's a lock, mm, so okay, I, I, yeah. I don't You're, need any more stats. It's a lock. A we are beating these guys by <laughs> over 12. Uh, to follow that up, the Nebraska's 0-10 <laughs> against the spread at home as a top 10 seed, though, and we're not going to be ranked anywhere close to the top 10 there you go. at that point. But, it's all lining up. Okay. All right. All right. Oh, man. Once again, I don't. I get it that that line might be uh, closer. Yeah. You know, with every week, with every game that Nebraska hopefully wins. Well, no, right? that that's what I am thinking, Andy. I think it's gonna. But didn't that line open up at like plus two and a half? You know, and it's already swelled up to plus six. Yeah. No. So, I, but I think it's. I think it's when Oklahoma comes in, we're three and zero. They're two and zero. I really think it's going to be about a three point. I think it's going to be a three-point line, and that. now with the okay. six points, even if it is a three-point game, I'm getting those six points. I really think it's a good bet, um, and I'm going with the Huskers. All right, all right. I think that's what the Husker fans want to hear. <laughs> no doubt. Don't know if the Husker betters want to hear. <laughs> uh, anything else you heard from Old West that uh, kind of caught your ear? It it really did, um, and you know we're going to keep it. You know we're going to keep it red. Our transfer quarterback Adrian <laughs> Martinez heading Here down south to Here Kansas State. Um, <laughs> I, I really like the six and a half, the six and a half win total that they have there. Um, I like it to go over. I know that some people aren't going to like that bet, but I'm looking at the schedule right now, Andy, and I see I see six wins on it for sure in my mind for sure. And these guys always pull off an upset against an Oklahoma, an Oklahoma State, a Texas, uh-huh. and I really think uh, with Adrian. Uh, playing as well as he can, and this running back, Deuce Vaughn, uh-huh. uh, that people are saying he's probably the best running back in the Big 12, maybe in the nation. I really think it's going to be a high-powered offense that can kind of outscore people. Well, you're right in step there with what Wes Reynolds was thinking. Yeah. He also likes the over for Kansas State. However, it's the same type of deal here, whereas <laughs> you know, the other contributors, the other writers to this college football preview— yeah. they outvoted him, so they actually have Kansas State with the under, with and the that's under. where I'm at. Yeah. And— I, I mean, I've never seen someone with such an uncanny ability to make sure you lose a game yeah. than their new trigger man. Yep. Okay, and uh, Adrian's a great guy, family man, <laughs> all that stuff. Yeah. I don't want to take that away from him, and I loved it how he laid it all out on the line. Right. But, man, that decision-making down the stretch when, when all the chips were pushed to the middle of the table, I, I mean— Really it, loses games. It almost got comical how it, things right. happened. Yeah, you we know, could be up by 14, and you know we're going to lose. Michigan State, Iowa, yeah. Like, yeah. what is going on? Michigan. Yeah. Uh, and that, that interception against Oklahoma early in the season, like, I get it. That was a Superman play. It was. Superman, next-level type of linebacker. And we're fine with that play. Yeah, we're fine. We're with, fine with that play. Even that play, I'm saying, why throw it to where that dude could even <laughs> take a stab at it? And, of course, he takes a stab at it and brings it in. Right. I mean, just why? Yep. Why? And <laughs> I just hope that that doesn't have to be what Husker Nation has to uh, endure yeah. this year. But I know, you know, after four years of experiencing it, that is what Kansas State is going to have. Is, is, okay. is going towards. Yes. Especially with, you know, the way the Big 12 puts the ball in the air. Uh, <laughs> think, think of it this way. And no defense. And no defense in the Big 12. You're betting on Kansas State winning seven games. It yep. took Adrian 
two years to win seven games with <laughs> a hell of a lot more talent around him. Agreed. I'm going to say better coaches the whole nine years. I know the Big Ten's a little better in low, my mind. Low fruit there was oh Scotty F as the head coach. Yeah. you know I get it. That's low fruit, but you know you know where I'm going with that. Yeah. So I'm hammering that under there with Kansas State, and I feel like there's a. Uh, a pretty good reason why. Yeah. And everything that Wes said <laughs> in that interview, he always he always prefaces it if if yeah if <laughs> this is the way I'm leaning. He's not as much uh, cutting the sand like I am. Yeah. But uh, no, I I like it. I, it looks like we're splitting on you know a couple of these here, Andy. But ones. that's that's the way it is. Uh, that's that that's the way it goes. All right, let's take a quick minute here to recognize this week's sponsor, Nebraska Brewing Company, world class in every glass. Yep. I'm drinking the Cardinal. I think you got the EOS over there. Yes, sir. Hefeweizen. Hey, man, that was a lot of fun earlier this week, wasn't it? Yeah, no, that was awesome. Heading out to uh, Nebraska Brewing Company. Uh, tap Room. Yeah, Tap Room yep. there in La Vista. Hearing the no block, no rock guys, uh, <laughs> bringing a couple Huskers and really just talk yep. shop. It was it was a lot of fun to be out there and, you know, having a couple brews as well. Good beer. I, I had the no block, no rock ale. How yeah. that? Yep. Huh? That was very good. I was, you know, hammering the taco vases there, uh, you know, <laughs> trying to post up at the NBA Jam Machine, trying to, uh, you know, get somebody to play me, but everybody's scared. All right, so thanks to – yeah, yeah, they're they're scared. They're shaking their boots. <laughs> Once again, thanks goes out to Wes Reynolds of v for yeah. joining us on the podcast this week. And thank you for listening. My name's Andy Klassen, joined by – Gibran. This is WTL. Varsity Radio, every weekday afternoon from 4 to 6 p.m. On Thursday, show from counterread.com, Brandon Vogel, former Colorado football head coach Gary Barnett, and staff writer for The Athletic, Mitch Sherman, that and more. Hail Varsity Radio is the best sports talk radio show around. Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbal have you covered every weekday, 4 to 6 p.m. with Hail Varsity Radio.